Good afternoon. Welcome back to Tuning It Over. I'm Jack Chew, and our signal is terrible today. Massive apologies if you're getting as many glitches as me. Um, I don't know what's going on, but fortunately we have a guest on, an esteemed guest who can hold the reins if need be, and if my if my signal drops out, he'll save the day, run the show, as he did a couple of weeks ago, although he had glitches then, so yeah, I don't know how much I can trust him. This is, of course, Jack March, a.k.a. Jim. Um, and we can tell that story one day if we need to. Um, it does say that my signal has now dropped off to two out of ten. So if my pitch is glitchy or you can't hear my sound, then apologies. Please do shout if you can hear us. We've got Jenny Archer saying, Banger Physio Jenny here. Does mean that you can hear me to some extent. Apologies, though, if it glitches. Thanks to those of you that are tuning in live. We've got a great show for you. Going to be uh, Friday shows are just ended up being spicy every time and this one's going to be no different because the questions that we're going to cover as well as the, the hot take that jack's had recently with regards to diet he is the rheumatology physio and find his stuff at rheumatology.physio um and so he's talking about something that he probably he probably knew how contentious it was when he put it out there but essentially people love to talk about diet these days and want to make inferences about their favorite diet as to what it does or doesn't do to the human body including to pathology and to inflammation so he talked about that and then we found some other questions that you guys had asked me and i want to deflect onto him and so we'll both answer those uh, later in the show but without further ado i will bring in hopefully this works seamlessly it's Jack March. Jim, can you hear me? I can, yeah. And you're not too glitchy. Not too glitchy for now. But yeah, if I thing is, right, if I drop off and it takes the show off the air, then you've got to scramble, climb into the back end of Restream and then get us going again. Is that a promise? That sounds like a lot of effort, but I'll try. <laughs> please, please. Can I, can I ask Jenny if uh, Banger Physio means that she's an amazing physio or from the town of yeah, Banger? No, it's banging physio. Yeah, yeah. That's, she's, yeah. She's, being, she's being gangster, yeah. <laughs> uh, I suspect she means the, the actual town. It's in Wales, isn't it, Banger? Yes. Yes. Right, now you wrote a... You did a, you did a blog. Um, and so tell me about that. Tell, tell the world about what you wrote. We'll that's a lovely open-ended question i actually stole this is a terrible style but i i stole a concept from um another blog that was written i forget the link now but i did put the link into my blog so people can find it but there was um there was a blog where they did a quiz questions about how diet affects rheumatoid arthritis um and the short answer is it doesn't in the short term so um i saw what i could find it tickled my biases anyway because it's what i've always thought um, and essentially in the short term, you can't really affect your rheumatoid arthritis. When you look on a large scale, I think there are some individual changes, but if you were to put any, um, any random rheumatoid arthritis patient, then I couldn't give them any specific advice regarding diet for short term. Uh, but that's interesting yeah. in a few ways. One of which, and I think the contentious is that, that, that the contention is that there's been plenty of links to obesity and particularly central adiposity to systemic inflammation independent of condition so there's then this inference that it is what you're eating rather than the outcome of becoming obese and having high levels of body fat and the adipokines and things like that so just unpack why on a basic level you know you're from what we can tell from the science you are right in saying that you can't influence it with diet but the consequences of diet can have an effect 
Yeah, so uh, you're right. So people who have more body fat, especially abdominal body fat, do have worse disease, worse rheumatoid arthritis disease, because as you said, the abdominal fat releases adipokines, which is a, um, thanks Meekins. Um, I did, I did um, link to the blog, so it, well, I don't think it's plagiarized. Especially, especially Rich coming from him, but we won't yeah. go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so the, the, uh, the adipokines upregulate your inflammatory system. So I think what's happened is um, your diet can lead you to be more overweight um, by obviously if you have a excess calorie intake, then you'll lay that down as fat. Um, so people then took that causative leap to say a poor diet makes your rheumatoid arthritis worse, uh, where that's not really true. Being overweight is what makes your rheumatoid arthritis worse and your diet leads you to being overweight. So there, there is a stream of consequence, but it's not directly related. Um, as I said, on an individual level, I've spoken to tons of rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis patients and other condition patients who say, you know, if I eat tomatoes, my arthritis is terrible. Um, and on an individual level, absolutely, I think that that can happen. Um, but like I say, you you can't make assertions like that without it being on an individual level. Um, so it is, it's one of those very very difficult things um, to to say because you can't give generalized advice. Um, and so I wouldn't say to any rheumatoid arthritis patient, you need to avoid tomatoes uh, or oranges or acidic foods often get implicated because for the majority, it won't make any odds. But do you think that, yes, on an individual level, we can understand that those patterns might emerge in even clusters and series and things. But would that, if you had to, had to pin it on something, do you think that the notion that there is a pro-inflammatory acidic citrus fruits and tomatoes etc that's the mechanism or do you, do you perceive it to be more likely if investigated down that it's going to be almost like specific almost allergens or a disposition to that being what gives someone a nervous system response of, of them being pain yeah so it'll be um looking at an inflammatory point of view my what i suspect happens so if we let's take um let's let's give someone rheumatoid arthritis let's give you rheumatoid arthritis and you eat tomatoes it right. makes you rheumatoid arthritis worse no worries um then what i suspect is happening is it's is the tomatoes themselves are irritating your gut and we know that the gut has um an effect on inflammation and in a number of patients the gut will be implicated in their disease process so what i suspect is happening a bit like if in with some people they eat some foods garlic for example or whatever and they get um regurgitation or heartburn or whatever we want to call it um so it's irritating the gut and then that's what's causing the inflammatory problem um rather than you eat tomatoes which get into your bloodstream and and upregulate your inflammation so that's why i think on an individual level it makes a big it can make a difference um as opposed to acidic foods which probably are tend to be more more of an irritant or but then i've i've met people where it's bread um and then you're obviously talking about wheat allergens or whatever um, but it's not that's true why maybe allergen is, maybe i'm being too yeah. blunt with allergy and sort of uh, intolerances and things like that you think it's more that than it is the the fact that there's an in, there's something inherent to the food type in Correct. this case citrus fruits tomatoes etc that would then be because that's the mechanism that's the mechanism that people are describing almost or inferring is that there's something inherent to a food group that then is doing that generically to some bodies 
and then if you have a condition or a disposition then you're going to be more vulnerable to it whereas actually it could be insert any food type especially those that are more likely to be to provoke an interesting response from from people's guts correct and the same the same thing um the same thing with other rheumatology conditions because i've spoken to also lupus patients um axial spa patients and the 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 alteration in the immune system whilst if you zoom out is different well on a, on a micro level is is diff, is is smaller um and and changes it's not the same mechanism so but then i've spoken to lupus patients where tomatoes make them worse so why would and this is where my reasoning starts to break down is okay let's make an assumption that tomatoes make rheumatoid arthritis worse why would they make lupus worse it's a different mechanism um it's a different inflammatory mechanism so i think um it's it's like we said it's that inference of causality and this slight misunderstanding <clears throat> and i think it, it it's a legit it's a logical step that people think um it's like the whole as this whole boost of the immune system it's re rearing its head as usual um and it's that it's that assumption that you can change your inflammatory system your immune system with what you eat um and your your inflammatory system your immune system is designed not to change it's homeostasis is designed to stay leveled regardless of what you do to it that's the point of it so you know you'd have to have something going quite significantly wrong for foodstuffs to be bringing that down um you know to, to generate anti-inflammatory effect you have to take ibuprofen or naproxen and we know that that plays havoc with the rest of your body system um ladles so, ladles full of turmeric surely that's yeah, one of the things that i exactly. hear of on the most most regular basis but we'll come to some of the myths in a second but I, does this speak a little bit to something else that's not made you any friends in the rheumatology world which is the thing that you've you've been frustrated historically with the fact that the, the obsession with um inflammatory markers and the inference that that has a direct correlation to pain is an ignorance of the pain literature I'm, I'm sort of abridging a body of work of yours whereby you've just sort of said that it is um a version of uh, of, of over medicalism to, to sort of not consider all the factors that can influence someone's pain experience and you've then explained the fact that you're making the correlation between inflammation and pain when sometimes that's not appropriate in this instance they're, they're they're making that leap as well as other mistakes and they're thinking that someone's experience of, of symptoms is only going to ever be related and constantly measure up against their inflammatory levels yeah correct and we know that there's a huge amount of persistent pain in um, inflammatory conditions and we know that um even when patients drop down to normal inflammatory markers and have no active synovitis they will still report symptoms so they obviously go into uh we'll oversimplify but a persistent pain state um and rheumatologists have got much better that now as my understanding at recognizing that and understanding those things and to a degree i understand why why they push so hard to try and get symptoms down from an inflammatory point of view because it, we also know that patients who have no symptoms can still have ongoing inflammation and still um, gain damage to their joints um, even though they have no symptoms so the the risk of not lowering inflammation significantly enough is still there you can't you can't just ignore it just because people don't have symptoms anymore so uh or outward symptoms so it, it's a really difficult balancing act for rheumatologists so i try not to be critical i just try to 
hope that we all have the understanding that, that like you said, loads of factors are at play. Mm, no, fair play. Now, when it comes to some of the classic myths and misconceptions then around specific food groups, we've kind of touched on the citrus fruit and tomato thing, but what other things? You mentioned a couple of, of them, sad vinegar being one of them, um, but also I've mentioned turmeric being considered to be an anti-inflammatory supplement. What, what else is there out there and is there any credence to any of it? Not that I've ever seen. Um, you know, the garlic, well, there's plenty of things that have been touted as anti-inflammatory but as far as i can work out from science there <laughs> i use that very broadly um i can't see that there's any credence to it i have no issue with someone coming to me and saying oh you know should i try turmeric and i'll go you know as long as you can afford it and it's not causing you a problem then by all means try it we don't we don't think it makes a difference but on your individual level it might do but the last thing i would want would be someone having turmeric capsules that they're you know if they're on a lower socio-demographic scale and they take turmeric capsules and that prevents them from being able to afford to go to the gym for example that's definitely right. a no-no you know there are there's sure. going to be plenty of people that are on that line where it just tips them over they can't afford it the gym's going to be a million times better than turmeric is um so you know it and it's this um i think there's a perception in musculoskeletal practice, rheumatology, pain, all these things that in the general um, in the general population that the that there are quick solutions that you can cheat the um, you can cheat the system um, and improve things. Um, and from what I work out, you you can't really. Um, every time we look at something, it seems like you need to have better sleep, lose some weight exercise more there aren't any short-term fixes unfortunately yes katie mm. napton it is scary how expensive some of them are <laughs> that's sort of relevant isn't it you're describing the fact that the opportunity cost is actually one of the central reasons as to why you would advise against something but fundamentally you kind of put it up to uh, patient choice as to whether or not they, they try something but you wouldn't necessarily bring that forward it reminds me a bit of glucosamine chondroitin type stuff with correct with arthritis and, and we can go there another time meekins of course suggesting chicken madras as being a, what, yeah. an anti-inflammatory food of course you know that's tasty standard um there's a, any there's argument, an argument made, sorry i'm just going to cut you off and there's an argument to be made that if you enjoy chicken madras loads then that could be something that makes you happy which might affect your pain experience well, of course, yeah, it's a safety, a, a sim, as they, as they sim, yeah. it in the neuro game. What, what um, Jenny said here is something that I want to try and park up and we'll visit that another time because it's almost this idea of genetic dispositions to particular conditions, especially in the rheumatology game, of which, you know, that's something that is, that is known. And in this instance, she's, she's making the linkage, uh, which I know less about on the specific level, but it's completely feasible to me on population levels that there could be that disposition. But that's something that's slightly different, isn't it, with regards to to uh, the genetic lineage and how that's relevant and what you think i'd be interested in your thoughts probably on another show as to what that um what the genetic you know the, the spit in a tube send it off and get your genome sequence type stuff how that might influence and generally in msk but also rheumatology so mm. if we can we'll, we'll revisit that if possible because i think that'd be a really interesting one um matt phillips has just mentioned about glucosamine beating to it glad that i managed to to, to jump the gun on that and uh, actually I, I heard a good analogy for glucosamine and chondritin the other day. I forget right. where I heard it. It was on another podcast. So who, if someone, if whoever's listening and said it, then I'll credit them. Um, but taking glucosamine and chondritin is like if you had a crack in the wall of your house and you threw bricks at it that and expected it to be fixed, 
that's what glucosamine and chondritin is. <laughs> Brilliant. I like that. Yeah. Um, the uh, other things that I said I wanted to talk to you about, so we'll move on past that, but I think some of it is, is linked and why I was trying to bring these questions forward. So they were asked of me on chewing it over and I was going to visit them to some extent next week, but we've now got some brilliant guests on next week, so I don't think we're going to be able to riff as much as I was planning. But it kind of links into some of the stuff that I know me and you are cut from a similar cloth on is that we've we've managed to blur the line sometimes between our professional and personal interests and things like that. And we are sort of info villas in, in, in certain ways. But the questions that, that came in were what I'll go for the second one first, actually, which is what are the linkages between our personal interests and our professional interests? Um, and and how do they how do they marry up and how do they influence what was then? We can do them both at once, I suppose. The second question was, what is our diet of what we listen to, what we read, what we watch, say, on, on especially digitally? I think people were asking podcasts, YouTube, what your literature that read, et cetera. So how do you want to tackle that? Yeah, I mean um it makes the assumption that i do anything but edit podcasts and read journal articles isn't it um although you asked me this to prep and i was like oh god what do i actually do and it turns out what i do when i think about it is i watch zombie movies on netflix um and um that's uh, that's about it i still play pokemon go from 2016 still do that on, on occasion but i suppose um to relate it to what what we do day in day out i mean my interests are I'm relatively nerdy. I enjoy things like physics and biology. Um, so I watch TV programs that um, that relate to that. I watch a lot of uh, TV programs about um, space and stuff like that. Um, I find that fascinating. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really do tons of other stuff. I do, if I ever do read a book, then it does tend to be biology related or health related. Um, so I don't really spread spread too far away. I know you were saying about <laughs> thanks, Katie. Um, okay, Katie Napton. For those that aren't viewing but listening, Katie Napton said bless. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I do. Um, what was I going to say? You've thrown me off now. Um, oh. Katie's throwing me off. Yeah, I've, I've lost it. I've lost my train of thought. What an effective heckle that was, Katie. I know. Really. Well, trying to throw nice me off next. Um, no, that's good. Uh, what, what I suppose, when it comes to less so the zombie movies, but the science, uh, the the your interest in 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 physics and space and, and and the you don't have to go there far, even in the fiction aspect of it, to end up in science fiction ends up sometimes having a metaphysical and and sometimes philosophical bent to it. You know, with with Star Trek, Star Wars metaphors are, are, are sort of all over the sort of academic game and stuff. Is that is that relevant or is it coincidental? Oh, it might well be relevant. I think um, I've always been fascinated by things that I don't understand and trying to learn those. And then it is really interesting. Um, I was always into sci-fi stuff when I was a kid. And now uh, I go back and watch things in, and it's fun to see where they were thinking science would go because of what they knew at the time. And then what we know now and you go, oh, that obviously wouldn't be possible because and then I do that, then I follow on, like, it wouldn't be possible because this, this, and this, um, because that's the way my brain uh, works. So, um, you know, in the biology side of things, I really enjoy th like wildlife programs and um, and stuff like that. And it, you can find some really interesting stuff, like um, you watch some of those things and then you, you'll watch somebody who's collecting um, uh, bacteria from random caves and then you learn that that's how they make um, 
antibacterials or, or whatever it is um and antivirals and stuff and it's really fascinating so i suppose it all feeds in and, and like you said you don't have to go far into those things to um to be learning but i think it, i i find it just keeps my brain ticking over as well which i enjoy there's two areas where despite you know me and you being an old married couple in in, in pretty much every which way however there are areas where we are in, our interests diverge i'm not as i'm not as as, as sci-fi nerdy as you and i'm not brought up in that ilk but then similarly the, the biggest obvious place where i feel we we go separate ways is because i i overindulge on the philosophy moral philosophy and start thinking really conceptually and you're you're always you know it's why everything if i was giving you title full free free range on title everything would say pragmatic in the title is because you're always wanting to bring it back to practice where i'll i'll sort of theorize a bit more but then also it's current affairs you're not particularly someone who's an infovore for the sort of that's what's interesting is my, my pragmatics kind of comes from like what is literally happening the sort of real politic of it and and culture war issues and things you just you just keep your nose clean of that sort of stuff don't you yeah i just find and i suppose um it, it's the way our brains work, isn't it? I am very direct in, and I like things like this. Is why I think I I ended up moving out of clinical as much clinical practice and MSK as I did because I I I find the grey very difficult to deal with. Um, I like things to be much more black and white, and I like to know the answers to things. Um, I Netflix and chill with you, Meekins. Um, the I think um, I, one of the things I I don't like things like. Um, celebrity culture and i don't like the way that news is presented on tv um it's personal preference it's not that i don't like the news but i i find those things very difficult to watch um and i see things like <laughs> i see things like the presenters of the news seem to me excited when something bad's happening because they've got something different to talk about they've got something <laughs> interesting do you know what i mean like it, it and it and it grates me and i don't know why that is and it just makes me dislike it so i don't do this and that puts me off what you're like what you're saying i just i can't get involved because the main way of absorbing that information is through those sort of mediums the other thing that means that i find it much more difficult now is there is so much information and so many points of view that I then find it very difficult to um, <laughs> very difficult to absorb all of that and then spit it back out in a way like I, I understand my own views in my head, but then to spit it out how I've got to those is is much more difficult, which is where I see you you have a better skill set than I do for absorbing all of that and then regurgitating it, um, which I sort of don't manage really. So that's where we differ in I case think. in case people think that Kate is trolling us that i just recycled the same comment rather than her saying it again but no I, i'm i'm with you there and i, and I suppose it's not a, i admire that i think that one of the things that you do to to stay uh, i don't know here i am psychoanalyzing my best mate on screen here but it's like your your you keep a sunny disposition in part because you just keep your nose clean of some of the the frustrations over well, witnessing news anchors trying to propagandize people it's just, you just like you just keep yourself out of that and hope that the, the, the world can sort your shit out um and i like and i like that and i see it as a smart mechanism that i'm jealous of sometimes but yes i suppose to answer you know i don't want to skirt the question by palming it off on you because you're here in guest context but i um i am um massively interested in in moral philosophy and also dispositional differences between humans and therefore 
therefore get massively frustrated when people suggest that 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 you know thinking in, in tribal lines infer massive differences as if there is no commonality of humanity and then i get massively frustrated on the counter narrative where people suggest that there is such similarity that any any inference of difference would be then testament to um i don't know is it that that to, to suggest that two individuals are are different in any meaningful way, even in a specific context, then is naturally fracturing everyone. So everything has to be homogenous, or you're, you're counter-splintering and, and making tribal claims as if to suggest that we can't all share something. Because I just think that, that fundamentally they're both false. And when I say false, I mean because of my attempts, at least, of studying um, philosophy and to, to understand the, 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 the philosophy of mind and, and, and also the how evolutionary biology informs that is why I then find myself being tempted by the how that's playing out in policy. And that's why I think I end up in the current affairs political space as an interest is because rightly or wrongly, and often wrongly, is that that is where people's lives are being influenced on a macro level. And then I think there's too much politics in everything right now, but it's kind of the, the same thing where good understanding of truth in every which way should be applying to policy, which it isn't because of bad politics, but it also should be applying to culture, which it isn't because of bad media. And so I end up being passionate about those things because I see it as being the key way in which we're going wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have hobbies, interests. For me, it's, um, for, 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 for me, it's adventure sport and, uh, and uh, anything that sort of gets my adrenaline going as, as well as my lack of sleep and just wrestling, wrestling kids, of course, is the, the other thing. And you, you're, you're, yours are uh, a bit older. I and mean, obviously, you, you're able to live a more active life with, with taking Leo into the woods, etc. But And I look forward to that with mine. But other than that, admittedly, I am budging on, on stuff, not just in an early way, but just trying to to get a real instantly of where things are because I think the commentary aspect of it is something that I just find really interesting. Yeah. We should clarify you're wrestling your own children, not other people's. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. And, yeah, yeah. And I I think one of the reasons that I've got into my own niche, really, with rheumatology and am entirely useless at literally everything else, is that um, I like to... I like to know things to a certain degree before I start to comment on them or um, discuss them or, or whatever it is. And I think the last time I remember getting into politics was, um, God dare we bring it up, was Brexit. And I remember that because we, we had to, I knew that that vote was incredibly important. And so I wanted to know as much as I could. And it took up so much of my time to learn and understand and form an opinion that yeah. I sort of made, I've made almost like a conscious decision where I'm like, I need to stay out of some of these things. Otherwise, it's going to take up so much of my brain space. I'm not going to be able to do other things. Do you know what I mean? Because, so you, I, can't, yeah, because you can't do it superficially. Because I can't do it half people are doing. Yeah, exactly. You have so, to go all in. Yeah. And, and, and we were going to talk about hard science versus uh, sort of general other, other things. And that's one of the reasons that I do read. I like we discussed before i read a lot of hard science journal articles about as we talked about as you know i go into why why would diet affect the like what is the immune system how does the immune system work and i don't claim to be an expert in in how the immune system works or the inflammatory system works but i try to understand it to a level that affects us as 
physiotherapists and I feel like I can get to that by reading those papers and I wouldn't comment or write my blogs or whatever it was if I wasn't getting to that level and that informs me on other things really which is why I that well I you're very rarely would you get me commenting on on politics out in social media or whatever if someone said to me I know you like to keep hard to time and we're running out but if someone said to me something that I fundamentally disagreed with in a personal space face to face then I would be happily have that discussion but I'm not getting into it on on social media etc I've learned I've learned that lesson a little bit with regards to sort of the political tribalism and stuff and I weigh in less of course these days but it's more that I interestingly your study of first, that's where we share an interest in first principles, be that in the, the sort of hard science, basic sciences it's called in, in biology, uh, or to try and understand mechanisms of effect and why would that be? Let's follow that all the way down. Is that my study of that in a broad sort of um, ontology sense or the, the sort of uh, first principles in, in philosophical terms means that I've suppose got a confidence in my own convictions with regards to my ethics that I then don't need to always know things all the way up to, for me to be able to share my take on the matter, especially because, you know, fundamentally as a massively conversational liberal, I'm always wanting to sort of be challenged on that and to chat shit about it um, and, and, and hope that people will come back and then refine my beliefs is that I'm never purporting. And also one of the fortunate things is that, you know, you, you are, you have an area of, 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 of expertise and I, I'm just an absolute generalist that is not expert across anything other than maybe chatting shit on the internet. And so that's a, that is a difference where um, it's actually from the same point of view, whereby you're studying first principles and the mechanisms and actually trying to understand what is close to truth as the po- as is possible. It's just that, you know, your yours is, it's not meeting a threshold for you to then talk about it. I suppose what I've done is I've created a circumstance where I can shoot the shit a little bit and that if I'm wrong, then... I find out quite quickly from people, usually people that, that don't like us, but, you know, generally it gets refined by having blurted it out. And I think that's sort of just a, a dispositional difference between us when fundamentally, as we've talked about, there's, there's lots of overlap. So really interesting to get into that with you. And each each part of it can, can be di- discussed and chewed over another time. But thanks for joining me today, mate. As you've said, we, we're in a bit of overtime, so we better go because we've been keeping time otherwise. Um, and this is where everyone that's tunes in regularly knows that they need to adjust their audio ASAP because we have it too loud on the outro, but we will be working on that, I promise. All right, see you later. See you next week.